Great to uh, listen to Peter Adam's sermon from uh, last Sunday online. If you were here, uh, Peter Adam was visiting and he kicked off uh, this series that we're going through this term on Galatians. It was a delight to uh, hear that and to hear him encourage us to have a memory verse throughout this series and to be praying that memory verse throughout the series. And the memory verse, if you can remember, was um, chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. And so I wanted to open um, by praying that prayer, that blessing for us as we come to God's Word. So will you join with me as I pray? Grace and peace to us from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, there was a family who lived in a very remote area. They didn't have any internet, they didn't have any screens, and they were visiting the city for the first time, and they checked themselves into a fancy hotel, and they were just amazed at everything that they saw. Uh, As Dad signed in at the reception desk, uh, Mum and Daughter uh, wandered around, and for the very first time, they saw the, the doors to a lift... They'd never seen an elevator before, and, and, and so all the mum could do was just stare, and, and they had no idea what it was for until um, an old man hobbled uh, up and pressed the button, and doors opened, he walked in, and the, the doors closed, and, and they were just watching, completely stunned. And then, and then a few moments later, the doors opened again, and, and out came this stunningly good-looking young man. And so now the, the mum really couldn't stop staring. And without looking away, she tapped her daughter on the shoulder and said, Honey, go get your dad. <laughs> what a difference, hey? What a difference. Today we're going to be looking at what a difference the gospel made in the Apostle Paul's life, who used to be Saul and became Paul. So forget about magic elevators. Today we're looking at the gospel that makes a difference. And I want you to see from Paul's testimony in Galatians 1 the difference that the gospel made in Paul's life. Uh, We saw last week that he was very concerned, Paul was, that the churches in Galatia were turning away to a different gospel from the one that he had preached to them. And what we're going to see in our passage today is that one of the reasons he was so concerned that they were turning away from the, the gospel to a different gospel is that he had experienced himself the power of the true gospel to make a difference in his own life, and he wanted that for them. And so last week our focus was, in a sense, on a different gospel that really actually makes no difference, and today our focus is going to be on the true gospel that makes all the difference in the world, and we're going to see that from Paul's testimony. We're going to see how that was true for Paul, and we're going to ask ourselves, how is that true of us, the gospel that makes a difference? So what's the difference between the true gospel and a different gospel? How do you know you've got the real thing and what difference does it make anyway? Because it seems to me as we look at Paul's testimony in Galatians 1 that, that there are three big differences between the true gospel that Paul proclaimed and the false gospel. The first difference is in terms of their source. They come from a different source. Uh, The second difference is in terms of their substance. They have a different substance. And the third difference is in terms of their strength. A different gospel has no strength. 
So that's what we're going to go through this morning as we go through Galatians 1, 11 to 24. And so I want you to have a look with me in verses 11 and 12 that Paul says the source of his gospel was transcendent. Have a look at verse 11. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He he makes a similar point later on. If you look at verse 16, he says, when God was pleased to reveal his son to me, I did not confer with any human being. Now, Tim Keller points out that in the Greek, the language is literally, uh, I did not confer with flesh and blood. And the reason that phrase is important is because there's a place in the Gospels where the Lord Jesus uses that same phrase of, of flesh and blood. It, it was a conversation that he had with uh, the Apostle Peter. And, and Jesus asked Peter a question. He, he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul is saying that the source of his gospel is God himself, who revealed it to him by revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the source of the gospel. But it struck me while I was preparing this week that that the very first words of the snake in the garden... uh, Satan, the accuser, in in Genesis 3. Do you know what the very first words of of the snake were in Genesis chapter 3? He he asked Adam and Eve a question. He said, did God really say? Did God really say that? In other words, his his intention is to get us to doubt the word of God. His intention is to to undermine the word of God and the source of the word. And, And in a sense, that's kind of the same goal as of the false teachers in, in Galatia. They're kind of asking the same question to the Galatians. They're saying, did, did God really say that to Paul? Did, did God really give him that gospel? And, and what Paul is saying in verses 11 and 12 is, is yes, he, he did. The source of the gospel is God. And more importantly, yes, Jesus did give himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. Yes, the source of my gospel, I didn't make it up, it's from God. You can actually see a similar idea of the the transcendence of the gospel if you look at this contrast that we see when he talks about himself in verses 13 and 14 and then what he says about God in verses 15 and 16. And what I want you to see here is that Paul went from being the one doing all the acting in verses 13 and 14, to the one being acted upon in verses 15 and 16. Have a look with me at verses 13 and 14. All the activity that he's doing as a very religious man. He says, I was persecuting, verse 13. Uh, Verse 14a, I advanced. And then verse 14b, I was far more zealous. Do you see? It's all I, I, I. But then it's suddenly interrupted in verse 15 with this, but when God. And so the subject of all the verbs, the one doing all the doing, Paul, goes from uh, being the subject in verses 13 and 14 to being the object of the verbs where God is doing all the one doing the doing. Have a look at verse 15. But when God, 
who had set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. See, it goes from, in verses 12 and 13, I, 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 what Paul's doing, to God, 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 what God's doing in verses 15 and 16. See, the source of the gospel is transcendent. And so I want you to see in these verses that this is really the difference between the gospel and religion. This is the difference between the saviour and self-help. This is the difference between good news and merely good advice where you have to follow and, and, and do it all. The source of Paul's gospel was transcendent. And so one of the ways you can know that you're experiencing the gospel, one of the ways you can know that you're hearing the true gospel and that God is really coming into the, your life is that you go from being the one doing all the acting on your own like Paul was to being the one who's being acted upon from outside in by God's grace. Paul is saying that the source of his gospel is transcendent, but Paul is also saying that the substance of his gospel is truth. Look at verse 20. Paul says, In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Now, in the context, he's referring to the, to the truth that he got his gospel from God, but it, it follows that the gospel that he got from God is also truth. He's, he's not lying about the gospel either. The substance of the gospel is truth. Um, you know the word of the year, the dic- the, how the dictionaries come out with the word of the year? You, you've probably heard this before. I think I've said it before. The Oxford Dictionary said that the word of the year in 2016 was post-truth. That was the word of the year in 2016. And then Collins, they maybe thought they were kind of missing out on the action. So a year later in 2017, uh, they decided that the word of the year was fake news. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about this, but my guess is that it was actually a, a phrase um, coined by Donald Trump in order to kind of undermine his, his critics and people who would kind of scrutinise what it was that he was saying. And haven't we seen how, um, uh, how Vladimir Putin and the Russian regime have found that a, a useful term or a useful concept in, in casting doubt upon the atrocities um, that we're seeing from the Ukraine? Uh, fake news. You've heard it said maybe that uh, the first casualty of war is the truth. And what I want you to see uh, in this uh, letter to the Galatians is that it's absolutely no difference. There's absolutely no difference in spiritual, the spiritual war. Remember, the first words of the snake were, did, did God really say? Is that really the truth? And so the first casualty of spiritual war is, is that people would deny the truth of the gospel and that that would come under attack, this gospel that makes a difference. That's the first casualty of spiritual war, except I want you to see very clearly that the stakes are much higher when it becomes with gospel truth. Because with gospel truth, we're talking about eternal life and eternal death. And we are indeed in a spiritual war. Well, with phrases like post-truth and fake news, I might be wrong, but I wonder if there's a sense somewhere, at least in our culture, that um, there's, there's maybe a renewed appetite for uh, truth in our culture. Um, I'll get Jane, if you can, to put up this uh, slide, this picture. Um, it's an ad 
It's an advertisement. Uh, and it's from the New York Times. I'm sorry, it's not bigger than it is. Uh, this is an ad from the New York Times. Lots of people walking by, crystal clear in black and white. Don't miss the black and white. It says truth and full stop. Don't miss the full stop. Truth, full stop. It's more important now than ever. Uh, and of course, the claim that they're making is that if you, if you come to them as a source of news, if you read the New York Times, then you're, you're, you'll be getting the, the truth in black and white, uh, full stop, the capital T, truth. Uh, of course, the irony being is that if you do a little Google search and look up um, the corrections page on the New York Times, if you can put that up next uh, for me, that's the corrections page, I took a screenshot, uh, you'll find that they had no less than five corrections on the news that they told on April 28th alone on just one day, and out of the last four days of news, there was literally only one day in which they didn't have to make a correction about the news that they reported. Now, I think it's great that they're that transparent, but the point is clear, isn't it? They're not announcing capital T truth, and yet Paul is saying that he is. And so that's the claim that New York Times make about the news that they're declaring. Let me read you from... The Bible, the claim that the Bible makes about itself from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24. All people are like grass, and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so I wonder if you've ever thought of the church as a, as a news organisation. I mean, we've got good news, Right? Galatians 1, the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present evil age. We've got good news, right? And, and our core business is, or, or at least it should be, spreading the good news so that people can experience the power of the gospel and, and the rescue, right? Except the difference here is that unlike uh, the, the New York Times or the Murdoch media or pick your favourite uh, news organization, the gospel, the source of the gospel is transcendent and the substance of the gospel is truth with a capital T. In other words, um, the Apostle Paul didn't have to write corrections at the end of his letters about what he'd said or he didn't have to write follow-up letters correcting uh, what it is and the substance of this gospel that he proclaimed. No, he says in verse 20, In what I am writing to you before God, taking a solemn oath, I do not lie. And so please see this morning that the gospel is transcendent and the gospel is truth. And finally, I want you to see that the gospel transforms. Have a look at verse 23, this amazing testimony that Paul says. They heard it said, that is the churches in Judea heard it said, the one, that is Paul, Paul who firmly was formerly was persecuting us, is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. In other words, they said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like Paul. They glorified God because of me. You know, you know where that hymn comes from, right? It comes from uh, John Newton. And you know what he used to be into, right? He was a slave trader. 
until he came into contact with the life-changing message of the gospel and he was transformed from a slave trader into a pastor, a preacher of that same gospel and an abolitionist who with William Wilberforce worked to put to an end the slave trade. This is the transforming power of the gospel and Paul says they glorified God because of me. I became a trophy of God's grace. Look at what God can do through his transforming message of the gospel. Uh, In uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. And so do you know this gospel? Do you know this gospel? Paul says, I want you to know. Have a look, verse 11. I want you to know this. And so the question for us this morning is, do you know this gospel, the gospel that is transcendent, the gospel that is truth, and the gospel that transforms? Have you experienced that in your own life? You see, it made such a difference in the Apostle Paul that he was eager to share the message across the Roman world to people who hadn't heard the good news. So wonderful was this gospel that he wanted to share it across the Roman world. And if we are to understand the same gospel, I think we should be seeing the same thing happening amongst us, an eagerness to share the good news, even as Paul did. I had the privilege of catching up with Peter Adam uh, on Friday, and he pointed out to me that there are still 2 billion people in the world who have not heard the good news, the life-changing message of Jesus. So I pray and I hope that as the gospel takes root at St. Philip's that he will raise up workers for the harvest to go and share that message. Do you know it? Uh, Charles Wesley, uh, we sing some of his hymns. In fact, we're going to after this message. Uh, He was an Anglican minister and and so of course as an Anglican minister he thought uh, he understood the gospel Full well. I mean, he was a pastor, for goodness sake. He was ordained in September 1735, but just a few years after he was ordained, his friend William Holland got his hands on Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians, and so uh, he got it. Uh, at the beginning of uh, the, um, his, Luther's commentary on Galatians, he, he writes a preface where he tries to distill the message of Galatians and the message of the gospel during the, the preface. And so William Holland got this commentary and he brought it to Charles Wesley and he said, hey, let's read it out to each other. So the two of them and a few others got together and they began to read it out to each other. And later on, William Holland wrote about what happened on that very night. He says, Mr. Charles Wesley read the preface aloud. And then later on at a certain point, William Holland says, there came such a power over me as I cannot well describe. My great burden fell off in an instant. My heart was so filled with peace and love that I burst into tears. I almost thought I saw our saviour. My companions, perceiving me so affected, fell on their knees and prayed. When I afterward went into the street, I could scarcely feel the ground I trod upon. See, this is the gospel that makes a difference. I'm not saying we all have to have an experience like that, but the question is, do you know this gospel that is transcendent, that is truth, and that transforms 
And so just like Paul, William Holland, who had experienced the difference that the gospel makes, he, what he did was he took this commentary by Luther and he brought it from house to house. He went into people's homes, he sat down with them and he said, let me read this to you. Like Paul, who wanted to spread the good news. He went over to their place to share the good news. And from what we can tell, it's not completely clear, but historians think that um, John Wesley, Charles's brother, was at that meeting, that first meeting where they read the preface to Martin Luther's commentary on Galatians and where John Wesley later on penned those famous words, you've probably heard them before, I felt my heart strangely warmed, I felt I did trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation. It made a difference to William Holland, to Charles Wesley, to John Wesley. It made such a difference to John Wesley that he, like Paul, followed, he followed in Paul's footsteps to spread the gospel. It's estimated from John Wesley, who experienced this life-changing message, that he travelled on horseback 400,000 kilometres to spread the gospel across the United Kingdom and the United States to share this life-changing message of the gospel. Do you know the gospel? Do we know this gospel at St. Philip's? On one occasion, while John Wesley was um, travelling from one place uh, to preach at another place, he was on the road and uh, he, was, he was stopped. And I want to finish with this story. A man stopped him on the road. He, he cried out to him. He, he yelled at him, actually. And he said, stop, your money or your life. This guy was looking for a different kind of change. Wesley got down from his horse and emptying his pocket, he revealed that he only had a handful of coins. And so begrudgingly, the robber took his coins and, and Wesley even invited him to have a look in his saddlebags, which he knew only had his books, so he wasn't very happy with that. And in disgust, this thief uh, was turning away when now it was John Wesley who cried out to him and he said, stop, I've got something more to give you. The robber turned back and Wesley leaned towards him and he said to him, my friend, you may live to regret this sort of life that you're engaged in. If you ever do, I beseech you to remember this. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. The robber just went on his way and Wesley got back on his horse and went on his way to preach the gospel. But while he did, he prayed that the Lord God would make a difference through this message in the man's life. And many years later, John Wesley was preaching at a Sunday evening service and a stranger stepped forward and earnestly begged to talk to John Wesley. And John could see the moment that he saw him that he was the man, the robber who'd stolen his change. Except now he was a well-to-do tradesman. He'd done very well for himself. And even better, he was a transformed man. He'd been transformed by the gospel. Raising Wesley's hand to his lips, he affectionately kissed John's hand and he said with deep emotion, to you, my dear sir, I owe it all. And John Wesley replied, no, 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 my friend, not to me but to the precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all of our sins. 
The Apostle Paul writes to the Galatians, verse 11, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I proclaim to you is not of human origin. The gospel is transcendent, the gospel is truth, and the gospel transforms. Do you know it? Let's pray and ask for God's help. We pray for grace and peace to us here this morning from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from this present evil age according to the will of our God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.